Before the day the hunger arrived. Before this crisis. Before Wonderland. Before the time-sick town and the crystal lab. Before races and trains and moon bases and gauntlets. Before the beach and the sizzling and the roost. Before everything I've told you, there was a journey beyond imagination. Seven explorers lost their home to the same force that threatens us now. Their impossible trajectory carried them between wild, desolate, beautiful, deadly worlds where they faced terrible hardships and experienced immeasurable joy. They lived and died and loved and, in the end, forgot. It's time to remember. It's time to go back to where our story truly started. Because only then can we prepare for how it ends. It's the Adventure Zone! little slice of turkey while you begin, Griffin. Let me take Griffin, a sip of my begin, LaCroix. Begin the game, Griffin. I'm going to enjoy some turkey into the microphone. I'll... Begin the begin. I'm in hell. Oscar Mayer, Deli Fresh Mosquito Smoke. I've been well, stressing I'm this episode myself this Tuesday. for two months about this episode, and you Mesquite, are elongating, you mm. you're prolonging the magic in a way that is absolutely torturous. What is mesquite? <laughs> Uh, you ready? Yeah. Yeah. That was all in the podcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Uh, let me get through this intro thing, and we'll kind of explain what we're doing here. Um, we open up on a promotional video that is being projected onto a, a large screen, and we hear a woman's voice say, everything begins, and I mean that quite literally, with the light of creation. Imagine the power to realize anything your mind can conceive of on any scale, and then imagine that power given tangible form. It's not the being that created our existence, but it may very well be the tool that that being used. It's the paintbrush that illustrated the very first tree. It's the yardstick that told the stars where to hang in the night sky. Somehow, the light of creation ended up in a place where it probably was not intended to go— our world, the very world that it helped to shape. A year ago, the Institute of Planar Research and Exploration, the world's premier collective of bright minds and adventurous spirits, recovered the light of creation. And in this past year, we've made immeasurable advancements in the fields of science and arcana, all culminating in tomorrow's unprecedented voyage. Please give a warm welcome to our brave explorers. And the video ends, and the lights come up on the stage, and the seven of you 
are greeted with a wave of applause from the massive audience congregated in front of I, you. Griffin, I need to know, sorry to interrupt, is it a curtain rises or the lights like burst on with like confetti cannons? Uh, there's no confetti cannons. It's not a fucking Flaming Lips concert. Why uh, not? Because it's like a press conference for okay. a scientific institute. Um, Have we got swag? Are we handing out swag to everybody? That's it's not kind really of a hot thing. that type of thing. It's not an Apple-like unveiling. Um, okay. It okay. is over 100 years ago. And tomorrow, the three of you, Lucretia, Loop, Barry, and Captain Davenport, are all setting off on the mission that will bring you to the world that you currently inhabit, the world in which the rest of the podcast has taken place. Um, and so this I is- I would a- like to say canonically- yeah, that my character chooses to refer to him as Cap'n Port, kind of like Cap'n Crunch. Um, That's good flavor. Yes, thank you. That's exactly because the kind like of flavor. Me, Magnus loves portmanteau. Absolutely. That's exactly the type of flavor that we are going to be sort of dealing in, uh, because during this episode and the next episode, hi, welcome to the Adventure Zone, uh, we're not going to be playing D&D. We're going to be trying something new, uh, because we have a lot of ground to cover, and I don't want to belabor it. Um, this arc is called The Stolen Century, and we will be playing a game that I made uh, that is the same title. I've, calling it, I've, I've called it the, the Stolen Century. Um, Shit, I just got good at Dungeons & Dragons. Right? I did, did baby. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't? Yeah. No. Um, well, then bring it on. So we're trying something new, and it may be kind of clumsy. I didn't fucking playtest this at all, because that would be a weird thing to, like, playtest with folks so i ask that you sort of i ask of you justin travis and dad and you the listener to kind of bear with it if it doesn't work out sorry we'll be done with it in a couple of episodes and then we'll be on to basically what i hope will be the uh starting point for the finale but before we get there we have basically a hundred years worth of stuff to sort of clear up if you'll remember from so buckle the, in it's gonna be a couple in. episodes <laughs> Um, the if you remember the Chalice episodes, you all had this like 100 years of static you couldn't remember. And in the last episode, we learned that uh, you went on this mission with the seven of you, um, the seven red robes uh, who traveled as part of the Institute uh, that uh, Lucretia made you forget. And so this will be our effort to sort of fill in that 100 year gap. Um, one thing I want to make clear is that even though that these events are happening in the past, the events that unfold are not set in stone at all. Like I have very few story points that are fixed. Um, your decisions will affect and design your history, but more importantly, uh, and this is the most important thing about this game that we're going to play, the things that you do in the stolen century will impact the ending of the rest of the campaign. What you do here is going to author the finale. And I want you to keep that in mind as we play. Like your decisions are going to have a lot of weight once we once we get into the get into the the, the finale. Um, uh, Griffin, I have a I have a story question. Yeah, please. Um, but if you would like to like explain the mechanics of the, the yeah, let me first. let me explain the mechanics yeah. in like one a one minute sort of overview, and then because the next thing I want to do is sort of establish timelines because I think we're getting maybe a little bit complicated in that department. <laughs> Can you give me an estimate on how many slices of mesquite smoked turkey you're going to be talking? I think for maybe on the rolls? Um, two. I think two. It depends two on how students. it depends on how quickly you slobber them down. And 
if you chew properly, which them, we've always sure. had an issue with. Sure. Oscar thing. worked this long to get this mesquite smoke flavor in here. Yeah. The least I can do is just enjoy it. Um, I have modeled this game sort of half on the Powered by the Apocalypse system uh, and half on sort of like choose your own adventure. If you haven't played a game like uh, Dungeon World or um, uh, uh, the... Apocalypse World or anything like that. It's so, this is all I've taken from that system. We're not rolling D20 anymore. The only dice that you guys will roll, I will roll no dice at any point during this game, uh, is two six-sided dice. Uh, and you will add whatever relevant modifiers to those dice rolls based on the actions that you take. And it'll only be, the, most of the time we're just gonna be like having a conversation about what your characters do over this journey. It's only when you say that you're doing something that could be remotely challenging that you will roll. Uh, you only have three stats. You have body, which you use for like fighting or physical activity or enduring something in any way. Uh, you have mind, which you use for like deduction and studying and surveying and spell casting. Uh, and then you have heart, which is what you use for like convincing someone of something, anything like, interpersonal um and here is how all of these roles work it's so so simple uh after you roll your your stats and you add up the 2d6 if you get a six or below you've failed and something very bad will happen you don't get to accomplish what you were trying to accomplish uh, if you roll a seven and nine it's sort of a mixed success a limited success you get to do what you want to do but usually there is a cost or some sort of side effect or maybe it's not quite as effective as you were hoping it would be uh, if you get a 10 or above, it's a total success. And basically you, the player, gets to dictate what happens next. You get the reins of the story for a little bit and tell me what happens when you when you do your thing good. That's it. That's like the only thing that you need to keep in mind. Six or below is failure. Seven or nine is mixed success. Ten or above is complete success. Um, I can't see what you guys are rolling. Not that I ever had, but I ask that you keep it uh, keep it completely honest because this game is more interesting, I think, and, and Apocalypse games are more interesting if like – you fuck up a lot of the times. Um, the only other thing that you have going on are three scores, and these scores are going to be important in the finale. Um, you have experience points, uh, which sort of measure your personal growth throughout the game. Um, you have assets, which are like things you, uh, objects you accumulate during the game, and you have bonds, which are sort of a measurement of your interpersonal relationships with the rest of the team and the people in the worlds that you visit throughout the game. Um, uh, uh, assets and experience are going to be very important when we get to the finale. I'm not going to tell you exactly what they do, but you can probably into it. Um, assets are special in that they will also be important at the end of the game, but you can also spend one asset to upgrade a roll result once. So if you fail, you spend an asset and you can get it up to a mixed success. If you get a mixed success, you can spend an asset and get it up to a complete success. But you have to tell me like how you're spending that asset. So like um, the example I have in the rules is like if you're talking to like some uh, a corrupt king and you're trying to like free one of your teammates from their prison and you roll a failure, you could spend an asset and say like you've bribed him with jewels or whatever. And that's the asset you're spending. And then it upgrades the result and we'll deal with that in the story. That's it. That's like the whole shebang that's the whole kit and caboodle of what the game is going to be um do, any, do you guys have any questions before we hop in well the one i ha the one i had was about like timeline because it's something i've been very yes. curious as to like where this falls in regards to magnus's like known origin story yeah so let's let's clear this up um this is before everything that happened in the podcast obviously um it is before everything that happened in the world that this podcast has taken place in. So, Taco, this is 
Um, this is before Sizzle It Up with Taco. Um, this is before your cooking show. Um, what we have for th- this is the world you were born and raised in, though. So, Taco, what we have from your childhood. Um, let's deal with Taco last. Um, Magnus, the only thing we have for Magnus is like birth and raising is there's like one scene where you were defending a dog and you got the shit kicked out of you by a bunch of kids uh-huh. um but this is before raven's roost this is well before raven's roost and 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 julia all that happened in our world um is there anything like you want to like tell us about like magnus's like upbringing before uh he he went on this journey i mean i i've always pictured him as like a good but kind of rebellious kid. Like, he was probably kind of a little bit of a turd. Like, okay. you know, like, he he wanted he was a good kid who was kind of sarcastic and kind of, you okay. know, I think Julia was a very positive influence on his life and made him a good man and not just, like, a good person. You know what I mean? I got you. Made um, him a great man. You know okay. I mean? So, yeah, then you, you were that sort of a rebellious youth, and then you joined the Institute, and that's where we are in the story right kind now. Kind of a Johnny is... Storm kind of character. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Merle, we actually have quite a bit of stuff for you, I feel like. You were born in this, like, druidic hippie enclave. Um, you were learning the ways of Pan as they were sort of handed down by your father. We had that one scene from Wonderland where there was the woodsman who taught right. you battle axe proficiency and kind of helped you see, like, a life outside of the enclave. But this is before you were married. This is before you had... Um, Mavis and Mavis, uh, Mavis and Mookie. Uh, before you sort of lived on the on the beach in that sort of community, um, this is well before that. So you grew up in this enclave, and um, I, 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 one thing that I kind of want to fill in for Merle is like, when did you leave that druidic enclave that you sort of came up in? Like, what were what were the circumstances of you leaving that? I felt they were. Um, I I felt that they were a little bit too inclusive. I always uh, doubted religious people who are not really trying to outreach it, that are only in it uh, for themselves. Like those people say, well, I'm going to heaven. Tough luck for you. Okay. And I, I didn't feel like they were doing enough to contribute to the good of mankind, and they were only committed to uh, their own religious pursuits. So what you mean is exclusive when you said inclusive. Well, yeah. Um, well, yeah. they included each Insul- other. Insular. 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 Yeah. Um, okay, right. cool. So you probably I was left... afraid that you were saying, well, what I disliked about him is how open-minded they were. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you left that enclave, and I, just based on what you said, like it sounds like you tried to do some some good out in the world, try to like eh, prove them. Probably. <laughs> uh, but I, I have a very weak will, okay. and I was sorely tempted by the ways of the world. Okay. Taco, um, we talked a lot about your story in The Chalice, although there's always been this – there was this missing piece – um, in mm-hmm. what you saw in the chalice, which we now know was your twin sister, Loop. Um, mm-hmm. You sort of talked about how you had this um, kind of like challenging life for a bit where you were living in in caravans and like cooking to make yourself kind of indispensable. Um, right. And how you learned magic to sort of aid in those skills. Um, mm-hmm. You also mentioned something about living with an aunt who kind of taught you cooking and stuff but that way i don't think we ever drilled down too deeply into that is there anything i know you don't know much about loop but um is is there anything else sort of about your childhood that like you can firm up here or any gaps to fill in any holes like 
Um, I'm but this is this is before with... Sizzle It Up. This is before like a lot of this is before um, right. Sizzle It Up happened after the the 100 year journey. Um, I'm fine, sort of leaving like the childhood stuff yeah. about as flesh as it. The thing is with the I was never really thinking like pretty much everything that I've ever pictured for Taco has been like within what we would think of as adulthood. Yes, in terms of in in human terms, like sure. elf elf terms. That's you a would whole... have to go back pretty far yeah. to get to something that looked more like childhood. So I've never really thought about it like that. I guess he and Loop probably got passed around. I would think that like I would. I feel like staying with the aunt was sort of a more of a respite scenario than any thing like super long term. Sure. Um, I feel like it was something that worked for a while, and that was a, a good time for for. I mean, I guess them. I'm saying them. It feels like the caravan stuff was probably the two of them. You know, looking out for each other, but still very much. Yeah, I, I absolutely don't that. want to take away like Taco's distrusting like nature and sort of individualism by introducing this other by introducing Loop, this other character, because I still feel like the two of you had it rough and relied on each other, but still have this sort of distrusting nature. Um, mm-hmm. um, one thing I kind of want to make clear: we're we're going to learn a, a, a lot more about Loop during this this um, session. Um, and pretty much on through the rest of the campaign. Um, but I wanted to say, as long as we're talking about your backstory, that the two of you are twins and that Loop was assigned male at birth, but at like a fairly young age, uh, she transitioned and identified as a, um, a, a female elf and as, uh, you know, as Loop, um, which I only mentioned because like, we're talking about your backstory and having like kind of a, uh, a, a difficult childhood or whatever. Like, I don't really, it's your it's your call, but like I don't really want that backstory to be like you had a traumatic a traumatic childhood because of your identities or whatever, because um, I think that would kind of be shitty. But rather just that like it's a tough world. I, I feel it was more scrappy. I mean, I feel like it was more like, well, we're gonna look out for each other. Yeah, and that's and that's the the that's that's it. We're okay. looking we're on each other's team and we're looking out for each other. I don't think it had as much to do with with our identities. Um, so we're clear and at the, re- so I'm clear not to, uh, misgender loop. Can we make the assumption that the things that we are talking about probably took place after she transitioned? So that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I'm referring to loop. Yeah. As she, that's her, like, that's her, that is her loop, pronoun. Yeah. That is her, like, okay. So that is the time period in which we were. Talking. Yeah. We're, 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 let's get back to like the Institute stuff. Um, mm-hmm. the, the three of you, I, I think this was kind of a tough world. Like, this was kind of a, a – as challenging as, like, any fantasy world is, right, where people can, like, use magic to fucking burn down your house or whatever. Shit. Yeah, so – Are we to assume that we were from the same world? Yeah, yeah, the three of you are from okay. this this purple-skied, two-sunned world that we have seen before. This is the world you all were born on and grew up in uh, and had these 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 upbringings. Merle, I guess you're a little bit older at this point, Um than than the others although i don't know we haven't even talked about elf age and like how all that shit works but um uh it's it's a tough world right and so you kind of got to jump at the job opportunities that you get and there are as uh, there are few opportunities that are as posh and promising as the work that you found with the institute of planar research and exploration which i'd like to just kind of call the institute from this point forward because that's a mouthful um the three of you were candidates from a pool of hundreds for this mission but uh, you were selected because of the unique skills that you possessed that made you sort of a perfect fit for this mission. And speaking of, let's hop back into the press conference and sort of clear things up a little bit more now. Um, Captain Davenport 
is speaking at the podium. Cappenport is speaking at the podium now, and he's addressing some of the questions from the audience. And uh, he explains that the mission's going to last two months, during which the seven of you will embark on a mission that will take you off this world and into the outer reaches of the planar system, uh, hoping to kind of see what lies beyond it. Um, and you'll be able to do so thanks to this ship that, thanks to this this force, this light of creation, um, you, the, the Institute was able to put together. And this is a good opportunity, I think, for naming a boat. I don't have a name for this boat, and I was hoping maybe we could come up with a name for a, a cool boat name um, for this boat that you all are going to be traveling the world in. Or I guess... Boaty McBoatface. Nope. nope. Bad, bad, bad. Nope. Spinnaker. Spinnaker? Yeah, it's good. Spinnaker. That's also my DJ name. It's perfect. What is a spinnaker? <laughs> is that like what a spider has on its... No, a spinnaker is a sailing ship. Oh, so it's just like boat. You we just, just, boat. just named it boat? <laughs> yeah. Can well, we get a spinnaker? Sounds more poetic. Spinnaker is good because like they don't, don't, they wouldn't have boats anymore. Once you get space stuff, it's like yes, who wants to go boats. on a boat? Can I recommend putting an adjective in front of spinnaker to like make it feel more like a name? The, stink, the, the stinky spinnaker, not the stinky spinnaker. The laser spinnaker. Laser spinnaker is also bad. Dang, the hyper, I, the hyper spinnaker, still shitty. It's the flying, of, the flying boat tail spinnaker, the fighting spinnaker. I think that's getting closer, but it's still pretty far away from the destination. You of said adjectives. Those are all the ones I know. How Dang about it. Lightbringer? Light, gross. Lightbringer's what? more in the neighborhood of what I was hoping for. I mean, I'm I, sorry. Are you, who is, who's the boat? Like, is it our boat or is it your boat? Because it feels like it's your you really boat. wanted us to create this. Because the stinky it's, spinnaker, I think, is going to win. The laser spinnaker? I feel like. The flying spinnaker is funny because someone would be like, wait, do you mean a flying boat? And we'd be like, exactly, yeah. bye. And we'd blast <laughs> off. All right, so we're going to call it the laser spinnaker. Is that how it? About, how about sky spinnaker? Sky, uh, so a um, sky boat. Sky weaver. Sky weaver is better. Sky weaver. Star, star dancer. Up, that's star blaster. Star blaster. Star blaster. Star blaster. The star blaster. <laughs> All right, you can call it the Star Blaster if y'all want. It's a Star Blaster. Star Blaster. Star Blaster. All right. I think um, I feel like it's our people's first spaceship. Like, yeah. that's, that's a very much a, a nouveau riche. Hello, like, sort of spaceship people name. of Earth. We're the Star Blaster. All right, I love it. Um, all right, it's called the Star Blaster. Uh, this ship, um, I'll describe it a little bit. It's got this brilliant silver hull. It's got the rough dimensions of sort of like a, a medium sized yacht. Um, nothing like huge and ostentatious, but like enough to house seven people and their supplies for a long journey. Um, there's a long open deck at the top of the ship with an elevated bridge that houses the helm near the center of the deck. Uh, and that deck has like sort of a field around it that can sort of support life. When you guys like, for instance, fly the star blaster into space, you won't be destroyed. Um, and uh, yeah, the rest I'll let you kind of like fill in the gaps yourself, but I just wanted to kind of describe the, 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 size and shape of it the most notable thing about this ship is the engine that powers it it is this large shimmering white ring uh, about 12 feet in diameter that is sort of suspended and tethered to the back of the deck by some unseen force and this ring is constantly silently rotating behind the ship and um i I think like a big like tarp is pulled off the ship uh, in front of the audience as, as Davenport references it. And there's like a bunch of pictures being snapped and like oohs Ooh, and ahs. Ah. Um, 
and Davenport explains um, about that ring on the back of the ship. And he says, I got to really work on my Davenport voice. He says, uh, this ship, the Star Blaster, and there's a round of applause uh, because the name is. <laughs> and a few yeah. like, huh? <laughs> what? Star, what? Star, Star, Star what? Did he say? No. Did he say Star Blaster? He says, child uh, name I, it? He says, it doesn't run on any kind of fuel you've ever heard of. It doesn't run on any type of fuel at all, actually. This was the biggest discovery that the light of creation allowed us to harness. That ring powers the ship using bonds. What we discovered while studying the light of creation's power is that any two things in existence, from the whales in the sea to the dust in the air to every individual teaspoon in your kitchen cabinets back home, are connected somehow by bonds. It covers any number of observable phenomena, uh, magnetism and gravity, uh, uh, electro and covalent bonds. But there's infinite unobservable threads holding the matter of our universe together. In a manner of speaking, the interpersonal connections that we share are a type of bond too. Emotion, sympathy. You could call this a love boat if you wanted to be extremely reductive. Oh, we didn't think of that. Bonds are what propel and power this ship, and it's what's going to allow us to go to places we've never even dreamed of. Uh, Uh, Captain Davenport, Steve Johnson, Fantasy Times. Uh, Did you say that the ship was called the Star Blaster? (laughs) Yes, our our, uh, R&D team was very, very excited uh, about the name Star Blaster. Travis, I'm so glad you did this because I actually wanted you guys to be uh, reporters in the audience asking questions of the the, the other people on this ship. Um, yeah, the Star Blaster, we, we're really excited about that name. We think it's got a lot of brand potential. So after the first journey, we think we'll come back. You can back follow and, us at the Star Blaster. We'll have a lot of Star Blaster Twitter. t-shirts. Um, any other questions about our uh, journey here? Uh, Captain Davenport, Rex Reed, Hollywood Reporter. It's H-O-L-L-Y-W-U-D-D. Oh, good. Um, okay. It's a town in Never, near Neverwinter. Um, you're not going to... Say anything about midichlorians or anything? That, that, that the midichlorians were not involved in this process, were they? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. So um, good. Okay. Good. Uh, hey, hey, my name is Rod Pizowak from the Freedom Constitutional. Thanks for skyping me in. <laughs> yeah, no Listen. problem. Glad to. We we're a big fan of your your publication. Who's paying for this thing? Us, the taxpayers. Yeah, that's what I thought. Good science pays for itself. Who knows what we, we're going to discover out there? Uh, y- y- you know, we've already made several uh, uh, exciting discoveries just in building the ship that uh, we're going to be able to sort of turn into uh, a pr- pr- exciting a product. pen. Woohoo! This pen writes upside down. Uh, okay. Captain Davenport, Clomp uh, Hoofman, Minotaur Monthly. Um, quick question. What's your end? What are you hoping to discover out on the reaches of this? Uh, what did you, uh, planar? What did you call it? Uh, just the outskirts of our planar system. That's a great question. I'm going to let our sort of science expert, Barry Blue Jeans, uh, uh, up here to, uh, to to answer that question. Barry? And uh, Barry Blue Jeans, who is uh, he's wearing his red uniform and just crisp blue jeans, goes and stands up at the mic. And he Are we talking like uh, raw denim? Yeah, dude, that good shit. And he says, um, nice. well, um, we don't really know what's out beyond our planar system so i don't really i don't really know what we're gonna find out there there could be new forms of matter new forms of energy new worlds we could potentially inhabit from a scientific perspective the possibilities are theoretically limitless and i'm just really and as he's talking loop who's sitting next to you taco uh kind of mutters under her breath uh, she's like nerd alert uh and barry gets kind of embarrassed and he's like um 
I'm just excited about the opportunity to get out there and find the new things to, to study. It's just really exciting. And he goes and he sits down. Uh, uh, Captain, Captain Cliff Clavin, Boston Messenger. All right. Uh, I'd like to ask a question. The, uh, uh, of the dwarf member of your crew, could I ask him a question? Are you going to uh, ask yourself a question? Yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is, uh, this, yeah, sure. This is, uh, this is Merle Highchurch, our, uh, our head physician and, uh, biologist for this mission. Uh, Merle, come up to the mic. Merle, oh. you go up to the mic. <laughs> is it, is this on? Yeah, what's your question? Uh, yeah, uh, I would, you know, I it's very this. obvious. I hate this so much. <laughs> it's very obvious that you are probably the most attractive member of the entire uh, crew. You have a rugged physique. Okay. Your hair, your face is chiseled. I want to know, is there anybody uh, going to be waiting back home for you on this mission? Oh, uh, well, uh, no, I'm kind of a free agent right now. And besides, they said we... We couldn't uh, have any kind of connections with anybody back here on the on the planet, just in case we did. D- uh, d- Nobody uh, told we're us delayed. that. We're delayed. They told me. Oh, um, there's another. There's another reporter. Hi, name name from publication. Um, Merle. Come uh, on, Griffin. <laughs> hi, Jeff Jeffins from the Jeff Report. Which I just wanted to ask you, Merle High Church. How does a man of the cloth like yourself end up on an interplanar science expedition? Um, looking for God. I'm looking for God in all the wrong places. No, I figure, you know, this this whole uh, lightness of being stuff, maybe it's a being of lightness. And uh, so I'm, I'm going along because there are more forces out there than we know to deal with, Jeff. May I call uh, you, Jeff? Uh, I have a quick question. Uh, Wisp Blinkman from the Eye of the Beholder uh, backslash geocities.com. Um, what kind of weapons is this ship? Are you are you worried about any kind of uh, run-ins with any kind of uh, beings out there in the void? Uh, we, uh, Davenport gets up there and he says, uh, we, we, uh, the, the ship is not necessarily armed with, uh, you know, it's called the Star, Star Blaster. Is it Star Blaster? I've already yeah, forgot. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, called yeah. the Star Blaster, but it doesn't, uh, it's not equipped with blasters of any kind. However, we do have a, 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 a security officer on the ship, uh, Magnus Burnsides. Uh, maybe you could answer this one. And Magnus, like, flips his cool guy fantasy shades. And okay. he's like, yeah, what, uh, what, uh, what's the, I can't remember the voice. Yeah, what's the question? What did you want to, what was it? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. You asked it. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, are, are there any? Are there any? Yes, this is uh, my regular voice. Are there any uh, weapons on board? Uh, yeah, I, I'm the only weapon we need. All right, next question. Um, uh, hello, I'm Doctor Fraser Crane. Oh my God, Doctor Fraser Crane Show. Fraser, question. I haven't seen you since the original show. Hello, such a pleasure, honestly, Cliff. Uh, so good running into you. Uh, the, for the, uh, Taco, I believe is what his T-shirt. Is identifying him as <laughs> Taco. Uh, are are you? Did Griffin say in the last episode what you do on the ship? Because <laughs> Chef makes the most sense, but I uh, don't remember. Thank you. I'll uh, let Roz play this in the studio while I take my answer off the air. Um, I didn't say anything, but I, I. I mean, I think Taco would probably Taco and Loop would probably do some 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 cooking. But like, this is that's a pretty cool boat that has seven people well, on it and two our ships. It is not the only. It's not the only thing you guys do. Like, you guys are both skilled 
arcanist like you guys are both skilled and and this i sort of imagined the institute as like nasa if nasa also had like not only scientists but like dope ass fucking wizards do and you, arcanists in it do you were, see taco and loop as sort of a sort of a package deal like they do s- similar stuff yeah you two are like just to get you two graduated i think fucking high on the list at the academy and you did fucking really really like you this, we should be doing this as like as like reporter conversations maybe but like you all are, are like just fucking really good at magic right that's not I, that's not revisionist history like listen to the rest of the adventure zone you're fucking really we make jokes from time to time but taco is an incredibly competent magician i just didn't know if i know no listen no you'll find <laughs> no shade on that fact here I was more talking about Loop. Yeah, she is like just also a bomb. Yeah, you, at school. You maybe? and you and like, Loop and Barry and um, Davenport and Lucretia, who we haven't really gotten to yet, but like all of you are pretty skilled wizards. Like you're right. all like I feel. I feel like we should move yeah. forward. If we um, have a hundred years to cover, we've got through one I, press well, conference. I have I actually, one more question. Okay, I need questions for the other NPCs who haven't talked yet. But okay, yep. Um, Jamie Green, Brooklyn Magazine. That's B R U K. Now Jamie Green is what we named one of the bugbears in uh, the back of the same, earth, but same okay. person. Whoa, S- twist. Whoa, shit. Okay, uh, Jamie Green, bug uh, from Bugbear Times. Uh, weird. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about the one lady uh, in in the back who hasn't said shit yet? So I'm sorry, poop yet so far in the uh, press conference and what purpose she serves? Uh, sure, Davenport walks up to the mic and he's like, "Oh, uh, well, Lucretia is going to be serving as our chronicler during this journey, um, and hopefully she can get up here and sort of talk about what that means." And uh, Lucretia sort of walks up to the mic and she's uh, she's a little bit like more nervous in this environment than everybody else has been so far. Um, and she says, uh, well, uh, hi, my name is Lucretia. Uh, I will be the chronicler on this journey, which means I'm going to write down everything that happens uh, up there. That's uh, it? Yeah, and Lucretia just kind of like shrugs and is like, well, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a biographer by trade. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know my name, but I've almost certainly ghostwritten something that you've read in this. And she motions back to the rest of you and to the ship, and she says... Um, this just this seems like a, this seems like a story worth telling well and she goes and sits back down uh and there's one more i want to do one more one of the reporters raises their hand and says like uh uh yeah hi i'd like to uh, get a quote from from loop as well um loop what what made you want to hmm, are you really comfortable with leaving this 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 world behind for such a long stretch of time and loop goes up and um uh, she goes up to the microphone and she says, um, well, I, uh, I did this, this one already. I did this world and kind of crushed it. So I guess I'm excited for opportunities to expand the old brand as it were. So yeah, I'm pretty psyched to get off this stink planet and see what else is out there. As, she starts to as walk. Luke she- walks back to her seat. Magnus kind of puts up a hand for a high five. Uh, she 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 definitely gives you the high five, and she like runs back up to the mic and grabs it and gets really fucking close to it. And she's like, "Also, Greg Grimaldis, you owe me fifteen dollars, and I aim to collect. You better believe, Greg Grimaldis." And then she picks up the mic and extends her arm, and you hear Davenport say, "Like, please don't drop the." And she drops the mic to the floor with a <laughs> clatter. <laughs> um, and I think that's it. Let's wrap up the the press conference because holy shit, this may not last two episodes. 
um, Davenport puts the mic back up and, and sort of dismisses the audience. And there's another round of applause. And the sound of you have fast, a quick, huh? uh, what? Do it in one, we're going to do it in one? That's how fast we're moving? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but You said it's not going to last two episodes. I'm just, oh, the crowd starts chanting. We're making good time then. Uh, we're still on year, in the notes, what I have is year zero. So yeah, it's oh, taking a while. Shit. Um, you have a quick debriefing and you sort of talk about the mission tomorrow. The ship, the Star Blaster leaves at uh, 0800 the following morning, giving you sort of one last evening on home turf before you ship out. And um, I guess Time this is like, kinda, yeah, this is kind of like your first prompt. Like, I do want to know, you don't know this at the time, but this is your last night on the world that you're from. And I'm curious how you spend it. So like, you can tell me like what you do. I don't necessarily think this is going to be something you're going to have to roll for, but like, it can be the type of thing where I can reward you experience assets or bond based on like what you tell me i don't necessarily i don't want you to ever while we're playing this game to like think of your decisions as like how can i get the highest score or how can i win the game like i want you to always do the things that are narratively rewarding and cool and will flesh out this story and i will i'll i'll give you points along the way right i'm not going to like there's not we're not going to finish and one of you is like in the lead or whatever um that's not what the points are for i want to tell a cool story first and foremost magnus goes looking for a fight I say we, yeah, I say we go to a, the meanest, dirtiest, nastiest biker bar. Wow. And we bond a little bit. <laughs> okay. And we end up getting in a fight that loop starts. So all seven of you have, a, you can also take individual actions, right? You're going to do that a lot of the time. But if you all want to go to a biker bar together and like get fucked up and like party and whatever, that's totally. That that sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah I, I think sense. we're on board with that. And I think it's I don't know about looking for a fight. That seems a little like not best that our planet has to offer. All right. I obviously have not watched any westerns. That's how the group or Armageddon. Come together. All right, um, Mag- yeah. let's let's deal with this one at a time. Magnus, you you go out and you guys have a nice party. Magnus maybe has uh, throws back a few too many. And I want to say I want to make it clear he doesn't go looking for a fight. Like I want to yeah. fight somebody. He yeah, goes Trump- looking for a fight he can step into. You know what I mean? Like he wants to like like okay. Take- a, a a bad person's butt. Okay. Um. There's a there there's a a, a fight that that breaks out at this kind of like the CD dive bar. You don't want to go someplace too big because you guys are kind of. I mean, you just had a fucking press conference. People would recognize you. You go to sort of a CD or dive bar, and there is like a fight that breaks out, and Magnus steps into it. Roll uh two d six plus body, and this will be your sort of like way of like getting in the fight. Uh, I got eight total. Okay. So an eight is between seven and nine. You get a mixed result. I, I think you break up the fight and you kick up sort of you, you kick the ass of the aggressor, but they get in a blow on you and you just like when you leave the next morning, you uh, have a black eye, which is kind yeah, of like that's what I wanted to happen. Huzzah! Okay. Yeah, you've got a black taco eye. and loop do the same thing they do at every bar they go to, which is hustle people at pool. Okay. Um, I, I think this would be like plus mind. I think like you're be- yeah, like the two of you are being thinking. clever. Uh, that's an eight. All right. Um. Yeah. At this bar, you you hustle this uh other uh the, the, these two folks in a, a a game of of nine ball and win the the best of five sets and really kick their ass and you uh you get something from them like you win like some wager uh what what can you tell me what it is it could just be money uh, if, if you want it to be um no, their sh- here's the thing uh their shoes. Okay. We don't have any use for money because we're leaving. Yeah. We just want to punish them. So it's their shoes, and we'll, their shoes are ours now. Okay. I have to walk around they're, that. They're shoes. really nice shoes, and they're actually um, one of them is an adventurer, so they have like a magic enchantment on it. So these are like actually pretty fucking cool shoes, and you decide to take them with you. Take um take one asset, 
Um, okay. And Magnus, is the asset specific? Or so is it no, like this is this one is one thing asset. I want to drive through. It's it is. The, from the moment you get an asset, it is abstract at that point. Okay. You could spin that asset later, and it could be a fucking magic sword, or it could be $100, or it could be whatever. Okay. So, okay. like, when we get to this adventure, it's not going to be like you have a list, and it's like magic shoes, et cetera, et cetera. Magnus, also, okay. I should have mentioned this. Uh, take one experience for yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. getting in this fight. Uh, Merle, how do you, like, spend your night at this bar? Well, the way the fight breaks out is Lucretia is busy writing all this stuff down. Uh, just because as the chronicler and so she's also kind of a, she's a little bit of like a uh, a wallflower i think like, she is yeah she's she's she's, she's, she's kind of shy in the corner. yeah she's nervous she's off in the corner right next to the ski ball game and she's a cool bar she, she's writing it down and so i uh it, so one of these bikers sees her writing it down and thinks that stinks that's actually how the fight starts so merle takes her and kind of squirrels her away down behind the bar so she'll be protected. Okay. And then he kind of stands on the bar, so he's eye level with the bikers. Roll uh, roll plus heart, because this is you, like, this is such a, thank you boys so much for this fucking tutorial level. This is you all sort of like, this This, this is you trying to like, tell these bikers to fuck off while also like, trying to soothe, soothe Lucretia. Are, are we depicted that, because I love this, She's just writing the whole time. Like bottles are flying around and breaking and like, I like I'm throwing down with each that, other yeah. on the table. And she's just like complacently not even noticing. This isn't like you defending her so much as it's like, just no, go, it's, okay, yeah. go over here. Uh, how'd you do? Well, yeah. I, I rolled a seven plus two heart. That's nine. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a mixed result. Um, I think that um, you, Lucretia is like fine. She's she's uh, like chilling under the bars. This fight breaks out, and you're trying to like tell all these guys like, hey, calm down, get out of here. You don't want any of this. Uh, and they because yeah, she keeps popping back up to see what's yeah, going on. Yeah, she's always so she, she wants to write and down. get the clearest account of this. Uh, and everything's the, the situation diffuses pretty well. Although like in the melee, you're kind of in the outskirts of it. Uh, somebody throws a bottle and it like just nicks you, and so you uh you have like a little uh you have a little cut. That kind of like starts in your forehead and goes up in your hair. It's just not a serious one, just like a a, a, a sort of uh, superficial cut on your forehead. This is great, okay. by the way. I was uh, this is this is very good stuff. Uh, one thing about Lucretia, while she's taking notes, that's like just kind of cool flavor, but also will kind of come back later. Um, she's writing with both hands into two different journals, and she's writing mm. simultaneous accounts. Uh, with like a redundancy, she she's keeping. Are the books just like floating? Are they enchanted books? No, they're, no, they're just fucking. Then how does she hold them, Griffin? They're sitting on a table. You know how there's oh, tables sometimes that can hold. <laughs> yeah. All right, you win. Um, <laughs> you've never really seen anything like it. It is like it must require uh this this uh, a mental sort of like uh, gymnastics gibberish. Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's <laughs> she's an excellent writer. Um, so, um, Merle she draws that thing with like the little, the dude's nose, like poking over the line and he's got yeah. like spiky hair. Um, <laughs> Merle, Lucretia like really appreciates this. Like she is, she's, she's a sort of, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reclusive person. And so like, I don't, you, introvert. you've ta- introvert. She's, she's very introverted. And so like, you guys have probably talked in the workplace, but like she didn't, um, she wasn't expecting you to kind of like, uh, help her out. Uh, like this. So take one bond, which kind of reflects like you and Lucretia got a little bit closer. This is your fucking okay. social link leveling up. All right. That was great. You all did each of the three individual actions and scored each of the individual scores. And I, I appreciate you doing that. And uh, so how far have we gotten now? Yeah. Well, you're sort of 10. Like, how many no, years? What year is it now? Let's get to that. The next morning comes. 
with less fanfare than the apocalypse deserves. You arrive early to the Institute, and there are nerves, and there are final checks, and there's coffee and cake, and you put on A your uniform. A lot of unif- coffee for Magnus. You put on your uniforms, which are crisp and bright red. Um, some of you have jackets. Some of you have robes. That's up to I you. I get a jacket. I get a jacket. Jacket. I figured Magnus was sort of a jacketed Magnus dude. Magnus a jacket dude. Maybe no shirt underneath either. Maybe yeah. just jacket. Taco. Both. Don't even trip. All jacket right. on top of robe. Stylish. By the way, Very I am cosplaying this. Yeah, for sure. Know, next time we do a uh, and, yeah. and each yeah. each of these each of these uniforms have the the emblem sewn into the left breast pocket that has the twelve planes with IPRE stitched into uh, them in the left breast the the left breast pocket. And the sound of you climb aboard the Star Blaster and you wave and smile for the crowd below, which looks equal parts excited for your departure, but also nervous because there is this storm hanging overhead and it is motionless. And if you hadn't been so like focused and sort of nervous about this mission, you may have noticed the unnatural stillness of this darkness in the sky or the way that the colors seem to be slowly draining from the world around you but you didn't notice and you carried on with the mission and standing on the deck you watched as Davenport took the star blaster up and through the storm and into the stars and past the stars and as the ship's bond engine as that big ring kicks on and pulled you out of the prime material plane that's when you see it and that's when the panic kicks in you see the hunger you don't call it that yet but you see it reaching down and into your world. You see its dark tendrils sort of reaching around your ship to the world that you're flying away from. And Davenport tries and fails to contact the Institute, and he makes the call. You're escaping, and you're regrouping, and you're going to return when the time is right, when things are safer. And he makes evasive maneuvers to dodge those tendrils And you fly far, far away, and you watch as the planes and this entity that's attacking them starts to shrink behind you. And out here, like, away from the planes, space is acting kind of strangely. Um, The void between the planes is, um, well, you don't, like, you probably don't know much about this space. It's, like, where your expedition was supposed to take you from. But you know it probably shouldn't be, like, jiggly. And as your home is consumed behind you, you pass through a threshold that you cannot see or comprehend and time comes to a stop and you feel yourself being torn apart like you see these projections of yourself all frozen in place on the deck of the star blaster all sort of like firing outward from you in all directions just thousands of tacos and merles and magnuses and loops and all of you just bursting away from yourselves frozen in place and then with a flash they're all pulled back in and you're unstuck and you're flying back to the planes but that 13th plane is gone now. The, the planar system's in front of you, and after a few hours of cautious observation, during which time you're still out of communication with the Institute, Davenport takes the Star Blaster back down and into the Prime Material Plane. But it doesn't take long for the seven of you to realize that this is not the world you left. This is not the reality that you left. This is a different reality altogether, the first of many that you're going to encounter during this mission. And now we're on year one. Hey, everybody, this is Griffin McElroy, your dungeon master, your best friend, and your 
trusted source for all the latest Hollywood gossip. Did you hear who's dating? You'll never believe it. It's them. Thanks for listening to episode 60, Holy Shit, of The Adventure Zone. Um, it is the first episode in The Stolen Century, which, as you've probably deduced by this point, is a weird one, huh? Uh, I apologize for being a week late for with, with this here episode, for, for taking last week off. Um, I was sick, and my baby uh, was sick, and I really wanted this episode to be this like kind of big, weird thing, but it took me time to like design the rules and to write all this stuff down, and um, I was so fucking out of it for a long time, and so I just couldn't get it done. So I appreciate you sticking with, with us. Um, it'll probably will be on what the community likes to call wrong Thursday, probably for just a little bit. Um, the next episode's going to be up in two weeks. Um, because, uh, Justin and I are traveling for work all next week. And so the timing is kind of now weird. And I apologize for that. Um, but, uh, look, we're, we're, we're getting into the end game of what we're calling the balance campaign. And I really want to fucking stick the landing. So I hope you will. Bear with me um, if things get a little bit weird, but I will always let you know like uh, when when things are coming and uh, what what to expect um, because you all you all deserve that. Uh, so yeah, next episode's going to be up on April twenty seventh, um, which I usually say at the end of this ad break. Um, so now let's get to what I usually do at the beginning of the ad break, which is the ads. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis Macroy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer. Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis, how did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you, I'll wait, that's right, none of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's, uh, just as an aside, you can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have an Aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone 
and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Chicago, we're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2, and we're doing live shows, all a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out, and Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2, schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that. Go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the foundation for black women's wellness. So go check it out. Macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. Got some Jumbotron spots here, too. Got one here for Sella, a.k.a. Scuttle Buddy. And it's from Isaac, Dominic, Sean, Katie, and parents who who don't have names. Hello, I am parent. I am also parent. We love child. Um, We want to wish a very happy birthday to the greatest friend, child, and significant other we could ever ask for. Thank you for the great memories over the years, including foot licking, zucchini stomping, and your countless doodles of our good friend Starscream. We love you very much. Uh, Can you have Taco or Angus wish her a happy B-Day? Sure. Happy B-Day. I'm Taco. Still got it. Uh, Happy birthday, Sela and... Thank you for thanks for the mentioning the foot licking and zucchini stomping. Like you, thanks for just sort of airing out those those fetishes. Not no judgment here is a judgment free zone. Um, here's a message for Alex, and it's from Quinn, who says, "Please read in Magic Brian's voice." Okay, do it. Getting working out the pipes. <clears throat> Happy twenty seven. I don't remember what his fucking voice was. Happy twenty seventh birthday to my sweet elephant. I love you very much. Thank you for introducing me to these hilarious brothers, as well as Dungeons and Dragons. Here's to many more years. <sighs> Sorry, I can't do it anymore. Here's to many more years of playing board games, discussing fantasy novels, and losing my entire inventory in D&D. Ah, oh, jeez. Sounds like you're working with one of those DMs. Happy birthday, Alex. Um, Congratulations on your friendship with this very cool person and what sounds like a, a life well lived. I want to thank everybody who's been tweeting about the show using the the Zonecast hashtag. Uh, if you do that, um, you could end up as a character on the show, although I will be pretty transparent with y'all. Um, there's not that many of those left. I think I'll probably introduce a couple during uh, the Stolen Century, but for obvious reasons, they will not be key players for very long. Um, so, uh, but, but boy, we just sure do appreciate you spreading, spreading the word. We do not pay to advertise the show at all. So the only reason that our show is what it is is because folks are sort of like spreading the spreading the news 
about it. And we appreciate y'all so much for that. So, so, so much. Um, oh, one thing, uh, if you liked the music from, uh, the suffering game, um, then you can pick it up now. You can go to my Bandcamp page. It's just my name, griffinmacaroy.bandcamp.com and pick up the suffering game. It's name your own price. I really don't give a shit what you, what you pay for it or if you grab it for free, whatever. Um, you can also, I don't think I've mentioned this in a long time. You can also pick up the soundtracks for the 11th hour and the crystal kingdom, um, the Suffering Game soundtrack is a little bit shorter than the others because the arc was a little bit shorter than the others. Um, so I also added the new theme song to Adventure Zone Nights, which was our Max Fun bonus drive, uh, uh, bonus episode. And I think it's a pretty righteous song, so I tossed it on there too. So, uh, it's all there, griffinmacro.bandcamp.com. Uh, go listen to the other shows on the Maximum Fun Network. Go to maximumfun.org and just start clicking on shit. You're gonna find something you like. Uh, there's stuff like Lady to Lady and One Bad Mother and Jordan jesse go and stop podcasting yourself in the beef and dairy network um and a ton of other titan fights like a ton of other really great shows that you can find all at maximumfun.org uh, if you want to hear other stuff that we do or see the videos that we make you can go to mcelroyshows.com and all of our other projects are listed there uh, i'm gonna let you get back to the episode again the next one is going to be up in two weeks uh which will be uh april 27th uh, and then I'm, I'm hoping we can get back on the regular schedule, like pretty soon after that, but I will, I will keep you all updated. Um, and yeah, I hope you're enjoying this thing. I hope you're enjoying, um, uh, this, this new game, um, I made up. And if you're not, uh, I just hope you bear with us because we are going to get back to D and D, uh, real, real soon once we're done here. So, uh, see you in a couple weeks and talk to you later. Bye. I also just want to go on record and say Magnus brought a bunch of hard candy with him. That's excellent. I'm glad that we're getting to that now. Okay. Because I'm going to reference it later, and I didn't want people to be like, wait, where'd he get the hard wait, candy? He didn't say he brought hard candy. Yeah, but he did. <laughs> At a two-month a two supply of hard candy. So um, we're, we're on to the first cycle now, and I, I really am starting to think that this may last longer than two episodes because I don't want to rush it. Um, I hope folks are into it. But basically, um, the, the process from this point forward is... I'm going to set up these cycles. I'm going to set up these worlds that you go to. I'm going to tell you things about them. I'm going to give you some flavor. And you are going to tell me the action that you take in this world. This action is meant to represent, and this will also be kind of abstracted, um, how you spend your year. And it's important to remember, like, if you say, like, I spend the year like training or whatever it doesn't mean you do fucking push-ups for a year straight you do other stuff that's just the action that we're honing in on and the action that you're paying like particular attention to during that during that year there will also be times where like it's like well i want to go talk to this guy that won't take a year we can deal with that scene and then move on and then try to figure out together what your abstract year-long action is and we'll have to sort of come to an agreement of what that is and figure it out together but that is sort of the structure of of the game and then once that year is over we will have the resolution of what happened and um your your objectives i highlight i I sent you guys some rules your objectives sort of broadly speaking are to find out what the hunger is to keep the hunger from getting stronger uh to learn how to stop the hunger and to make yourselves strong enough to stop the hunger so it's all about improving and keeping the hunger from like outpacing you while also like you guys don't know anything about the hunger at this point and this is 
during this journey is where you kind of learn about it. One last thing is um, we're not going to do a hundred of these cycles. We're not going to cover uh, what happens in each of the 100 years because that would be awful. That would not be fun after uh, a while. Uh, we're going to do one and then we're going to hop forward quite some time and then we're going to do one and we're going to keep going like that until we get through all of them. So with that in mind, let's get to let's get to this first cycle and we'll sort of play it by year. You notice it immediately upon your descent into this prime material plane as you approach the the sort of main planet. The continents and oceans are just different shapes. So immediately you're like, oh, this is this is not right. Um, the world is far more verdant than the one you just left. There's uh, thick forests just like pretty much everywhere. Um, so Davenport, like, doesn't really know where to bring the ship. He, he brings it down sort of close to this large forested area just north of the, the planet's equator. And he, um, he flies low for a while. And you all spend a couple of days just sort of surveying the land. And this is, this is what you learn about this first world. Um, the big thing, there's no people. No people in this world at all. There's no elves or humans or tieflings or just any, anything like that. This world is entirely populated by animals. Um, and you saw them kind of congregating during one of your flyovers. Uh, they don't seem to be following the natural order of the world that you're from. Um, for one thing, they're all herbivores. Like, wolves and pigs are just, like, chilling. Um, and all the animals speak this common primal language. Um, and, it, it, like, it's just sort of, like, all in different registers, obviously, because they're different animals with, like, different ways of speaking. But it's just, like, ugh, ugh, just, like, grunts. God, that just sounded like fucking home improvement. And so these these animals are all congregating together in these natural settlements. It's not cities. And uh, the, the animals aren't bipedal. There's no Zootopia thing going on here. Um, the animals are just sort of, they congregate their dens fairly closer together. Like, uh, there's, there's bear caves near... Um, you know, rabbit hutches near, you know, a bird nest and like the animals just sort of live close to each other. They have these cross-species civilizations. They seem to have some system of trade. Um, like they use their natural abilities to harvest things from the environment that they just seem to like share with each other. Like boars dig up these root vegetables that they trade with bears for honey and so on. Um, so that's what the world is like. And after a couple of days, uh, after arriving in this world, your sort of flyover reconnaissance is interrupted by a peculiar event. You see a bright light streak down from the sky and plummet downward to the west. And you recognize it immediately. It's the light of creation. It has found its way into this plane. And Loop tracks its heading so that maybe you can try and tri- triangulate its location later. And several days after the light arrives, there's another event in the sky the the like bright like day that is around you immediately turns dark for a moment and the sky is filled with these burning white eyes all looking down at the world below and you fear momentarily that that force that you just saw consume your home world uh like a week ago at this point had invaded this world too but after a few moments this event passes so the seven of you set up camp in a secluded clearing in the woods uh right near your ship and you settle in for your year in this strange animal run world. What do you do? I do want to, I do want, at this point, we're going to sort of get into the, these abstract year long actions. And um, I want you to sort of base your actions around what I told you in that last section, in the setup section. But at any point in any of these cycles, you can also do one of three other actions. You can train, 
uh, which you will roll for experience. If you just like want to like get get yoked, you can do that. Um, I just want you to tell me like specifically like what kind of training you do. You can um, what's the word I used? You can you can salvage, which basically means you just like spend a bunch of time exploring the world, looking for treasure or anything that can like help you out in your journey uh and you will roll to claim assets um or you can socialize which is you pick a member of the crew that you want to get to know better uh or just a person in this world that you want to get to know better and you spend some time with him and we'll zoom in zoom in on that scene and that conversation and you will uh get bond you won't roll for that i'll just like give you an amount of bond based on like how good the scene is essentially so if you don't i I have a i have a motivation question yes i'm not trying yeah why a year? Um, w- w- Why don't we just get back on the ship and take off and go somewhere else? Um, I, I think that's an interesting question. I think that I think you try that actually. I think that you get down in this world and it's like, what the fuck? There's like all all animals. Like uh, things are calm though. The hunger's not here, and so Davenport's like, let's go back. He actually issues a command, like let's go back. But as you fly out, like away from the planar system, it's not jiggly. <laughs> It's not like you can't seem to like pass through whatever threshold you passed through to get to this reality. So at this point, you can't seem to go back, and so you you return to the world uh, below. Um, can I start? Yeah, sure. I think, and can I dictate for Taco and Loop, or what would be? Um, I think to, dictate, dictate for Taco, and I think the the other characters will definitely like go along with you and assist you. But like, um, you you just have control over over Taco, um. What 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 were, okay. what were you thinking? But if you have an action that involves her, yeah. If you want to if you want to spend your, your your socializing with Loop, like obviously you can do that. Or if you want to go out and just just tell me your action, I'm not going to. It seems like it seems like what I would most like to do is work with Loop okay. to try to decode this animal language um, and try to uncover from them sort of like what they've. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this changes that have come to their world by which i mean like do they remember creatures like us uh humans okay i mean uh things like that or like has anything changed or even through like legends that you know that kind of thing to see if we can find out any sort of overarching thing cool so i say like first first few months yeah i would think to well this 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 get a basic comprehension but they're good at they're good at languages we just don't have a druid with us unless do we no you don't this we is don't this is it. so no. this is your action for the for the year and it's a good one and it's going to cover a lot of stuff this is how quickly i want want to move um i think this is you and loop um do go out and i think barry wants to go with you too like barry is sort of the most scientifically minded person here and so like he's fucking just barry's very very curious and wants to kind of like know like also about this so the three of you go out and what what do you like what um i think the animals are nervous like i don't think you can i think it takes you a long time to like find some animals that don't just fucking run away as soon as they see you because um they've never seen people um what is what's like the community like what's the sort of animal um community that you that you sort of first find success in and kind of like start this communication with uh i feel like um there's no predator yeah I did. Uh, I did take that one from Zootopia. The fur we we make a lot of um we make a lot of uh, uh, of attempts and nothing is really like working until we uh 
we find a family of mongooses. I was so and hoping. they're the first ones that, that like, are able to, Aww. that we're able to, like, talk to. Okay. Yeah, this is, Ricky, this is great. Ricky, Ticky, and Tavi. So this is, like, they're not necessarily part of a bigger community. I think that maybe this family is just, like, a little bit more reclusive, and so they don't run away. Maybe they have a, there's a baby mongoose that's really curious. And so when the pe- Well, and they also know they can handle their shit. Right, yeah. sure. So if they need to, they're not, like... Uh, super intimidated. And would it not be mongoose? No one's no. quite sure. It so when wouldn't. this when this family of mongoose sees like this younger mongoose like hanging out and sees that y'all are cool, y'all are like sweet, they they don't run away. And so it takes you a really it takes you a while. You build trust with them just through like you know feeding them and hanging out with them and um uh they they seem to really like Barry. Although Barry I think is scared of uh mongoose. Uh, I mean, they're vicious. They can be very vicious animals, but even he kind of warms up. And so the three of you spend a while with this mongoose family, which eventually leads to you sort of, um, you don't scare away every animal that comes to you and you do uh, start to try to learn this language. I think this is going to be, I'll leave this up to you. And obviously you are better at mind than heart. I think you have a plus two in mind. Do you think that this is a mind role of you trying to decode this language or is this a heart role of you like learning this language and like trying to communicate and get things from from these monkeys no i think this I, this feels like much more of an exchange of like information okay like so we, I, i'll let you roll they're mine. curious about us too so i feel like it's a it's a talking to them about our world and culture and, and but, I, but i think with the angle of like you trying to decode i think mind works so roll pl- yes. roll 2d6 plus mind seven Okay, so that's just that's just good enough. Now you do have an asset. You do have those magic shoes. You could you could spend that to make a complete upgrade. With the seven, I'll let you get some of the stuff that you wanted, but I won't give you everything you wanted. That's basically what a limited success is. Or you can hold on to the asset. You can spend the assets in the manner that I've explained, but I also want to make clear that the more assets you have at the end of the game, the better off you are because it's still a score. Um, so it's up to you. Do you want to? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, so with a seven, you all spend, it, it, it takes months and months and months, but eventually you can speak this language of grunts. And sure enough, like every animal speaks it. Um, and uh, you and, and Loop and Barry learn it. I think that we actually have some scenes of you three just like grunting at each other over dinner while the other four folks on the journey are like, what the fuck are you guys saying? Um, but you use it and you talk to these monkeys and talking to them, like there's some history, there's some like um lore that this world possesses like they don't have recorded history but it's it's all like um like story based and communication based there's never been people here people just like didn't evolve here or whatever um mm-hmm. it's always just been animals and eventually just like meat eating and predatory instinct just like kind of phased out and they just kind of learned like well what, wouldn't it be better if we just kind of like lived together and were were cool with each other and so like they they don't remember humans necessarily you learn that there is a court a high court um there's a very sort of loose um i guess governmental structure here um where there are three beasts that rule over essentially everything they're called the royal beasts and each one represents sort of an aspect of bestial nature um there is uh, a, a bear that represents power, a snow owl that represents wisdom, and a wolf that represents sort of instinct. Um, and they their court is out to the west. Um, you also ask them sort of about the the light of creation, uh, which you saw like come down, like see if they know anything about it, and they they don't they don't really know anything about that. 
Um, um, can I can I go? Um, I think as a result of this action, you take uh, plus one bond uh, as you like become buddies with this mongoose family. Uh, and I think that also the three of you can now serve as translator to the others if they want to also do stuff with these animals. Um, Griffey, um, I'm torn because there's two things I really want to do, but I don't. I want to be able to do both, and I don't know how long they will take. All right, tell me, tell me what you want to do, and we'll figure it out. Um, on the one hand, I'd like to investigate the light of creation, but on the other hand, I'm now super intrigued to try to train with this bear of power. Um, okay, you. So um, we can split up, right? You, yeah, you are. You, all of your actions will be individual. I'm assuming. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily think two of you will ever do the same thing because you all have such limited time in these worlds that it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, well, I too had thought about since I already stated his Merle's curiosity with the light of creation and cool, theological dude. stuff. Oh, yeah. Why don't I go check that out while he does bears? Yeah, sure. Um, let's let's do let's do the light of creation thing then first, um, Merle. Um, I think in order for you to figure out what here's here's how the light of creation is going to work. It's going to be kind of the football in most of these cycles. You you it will be very good. It is a bonus essentially. If you can find the light of creation, it will be a very good thing for you. Um, but you have to do just that. You have to find it. You saw it fall from the sky. You have no idea where it is except that it's west. Well, uh, let me let me establish this. My my motivation is not necessarily to become one with the light light of creation, whatever. But I'm curious on how we're, you know, how we can escape this planet sure, yeah. if we need to um, so, and continue our search. So I want to find out how it got down here. So tell me, you tell me how you find it. Like, what, what do you just fucking set out? Do you like go on an expedition and like go looking for yeah. it? Do you like go talking yeah, to people? Do you, a, you can take the ship and fly me, around and look around? I'm going to have me a fucking quest. All right. What do you think about that? I feel pretty good uh, about that. I think I would. You know, see if anybody wants to go with me. But you know, I I think you know if I have to go off by myself, I'll go off by myself. But uh, thought I'll just start wading through the forest after uh, Loop and uh, and Taco do that yeah. uh, triangulation thing. They talk so about. I think Loop, Taco, and Barry are spoken for. So they they can't they won't go with you. Um, uh, 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 I th- Magnus is wrestling with a bear. Uh, we'll 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 get to what Magnus does with the bear in in a little bit. Magnus, you just you really want to train with this fucking bear then, this power bear. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we'll do. get we'll get to that. I found out there's a bear of power. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Griffin. That's exactly what I want to do. Um. Well, then how about if me and Davenport head out? Yeah, I think Davenport would. I think Davenport would go with you. Um, Lucretia's gonna. I mean, he's 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 a navigator. He knows about flight and everything else. I maybe. think I think Lucretia's like more than happy to like stay back at the at the ship and like write and take notes and like do little little like scouting things to like go out and like draw pictures of the weird plants in this world um because she wants to she wants to like consume and save everything in these in these journals um so yeah davenport says he'll he'll go out with you so um hmm, i'm trying to think of what the best role would be to like represent you and davenport like taking a bunch of fucking camping gear taking a bunch of rations and just like rolling up your sleeves and like going out in the world because i want to say oh, i think we're gonna live off the land yeah i want to say i'll let you make the argument it could be body um like you just trying to like get out there and actually like the act of you walking around the physical labor or we can do mind of you like going out and trying to like uh you know, make maps and shit of this world to like try and find your way to the light. I think it's one of those two body or mind. And I leave it up to you to sort of make the call. Is it, is this more of like a physical activity thing or is this more of like a 
finding your way and like deducing where it is. I thought of it like a walkabout, so it's almost spiritual in nature, but you're not going to let me get away with it. No, it's not a heart thing. Although, if you, (laughs) uh, it's not a heart thing, but, uh, why don't you roll mind and it'll be like you, like mapping this place. Uh, one and a five, that's six plus one is seven. Okay. Uh, and you don't have an asset, I think, if you wanted to upgrade it. I don't know if you have an asset yet. No, I don't. Assets will just take it to the next rank, Griffin. Right. So it'll take a failure to a... To a mixed failure, a mixed success, or a mixed failure. success to a complete success. Uh, okay, so with a seven, you, um, you know, you find where the light is. It takes you a long time. And it, uh, it fell near that, like, high court that the, the three royal beasts sort of reside in. Um, with a seven, though, you don't, like, gain access to it. You know where it is, but like you don't, you're not able to like get get into that court and like uh, you're not able to secure it or anything like that. You aren't able to like make the connection. You aren't able to like be brought before the 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 court. Uh, and this journey takes you a super long time. I think also with a mixed success, like this is it almost take to go there and get back to the ship uh, takes you and Davenport like uh a pretty a, a pretty long time but as a result you and davenport spend a lot of time together and you kind of like realize you actually have a lot of shit in common it takes a lot of time for davenport to let down his walls because like while he is like a, a a gnome which i think you could write off as like a goofy sort of uh culture or whatever like he's a very serious captain because he feels like he has to be to like maintain control of the situation or whatever um but okay. those walls come down from time to time and like over campfires and shit like you guys like talk about you know old old war stories and you eat fucking beans from a pot and like camp out together and become closer so i think take take one bond from that okay can we do can i have a blazing saddles scene with him yeah sure you're eating these you're eating these beans fart a bunch no you're you're eating these beans and let him fart a bunch if dad wants to fart all right you're eating these beans and davenport says like uh you know i'm having a lot of fun out here with you merle The levels are just. The levels are just. Okay, that's out of my system. Cool. (laughs) Jesus. Okay, Um, Magnus. So I. So with these two bits of information I have going forward, can I challenge the power bear for access to the light of creation? Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, I like this a lot. You know where the. You know where the the royal quarters are. Um, I think you, I, let's, let's say you spend the year kind of like training around the ship before you go to the bear for training and, and that's sort of like how hard we, candy, eating hard candy. Um, and sort of like, I think maybe you're defending the ship, right? Like you don't know what to expect. And so you're still the security officer. So you stay near the ship and, um, I, I hang, also hang out there. I'm checking the hull for any like, you know, damage from okay. avoiding the tendrils, making sure that whatever shielding is in place, both from it's heat all and good. damage. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you also spend some time with L- Lucretia, although I'm not going to necessarily give you bond on that, but like, um, you, you, you two do like, you're the only ones left at the ship at this point. And so you, you, you do spend some time together. I'll, you know what? I'll actually let you roll for it. Like roll a roll one D six. The two. Yeah. You know, you, it, she's, she's, you, you spend some time together, but I don't necessarily think you, um, move up to the next social uh, rank. I think you. I, I think just like you learn a little bit more about her, and you're impressed by by her uh, her writing and note taking abilities and stuff like that. But the, she's still got some. Um, you you, you to, don't necessarily like become best best buds. Um, cool. Uh, so you train around the ship, and then when Davenport and Merle return and tell you about this like this this big cool powerful bear, 
uh, you're like, I'm going to go fucking find this one and, and go train with them. So you, you, I think, take the ship and go to the, the high court and you go and you are, um, how do you, how are you brought before? Like, these are the three rulers of this world. Like, how do you get in front of them? Um, what's well, a good question. I feel like just from what we've learned and like what I know about animals and what, uh, loop and taco and Barry have told me, I feel like it's a matter of like, if they're representing these things, the person that I would want to see, I'd have to demonstrate Okay, like that. I'm I'm kind of worthy of that attention. So it feels like there would be some kind of test of strength. I, and also, we've kind of established like you're kind of a roughneck. So like, I think you yeah. go to this fucking village and like, I'm where's the fucking power bear? And like, they I don't know, like does clinging that mean bottles one, together. Power bear. Uh, does that mean one of the three translators went with him? Uh, did one of the three translators go with you, or is this like a Magnus? Well, I mean, I do they want to go with? Like, that's the question. I I feel like Barry, a science officer, would be pretty into this. Yeah, okay. Like Spock would go with Kirk. Talk on something. Like we could also we could also say this. Do are all seven of you back together and like at this thing? Because if so, like we're this is the last turn, so we're gonna. Get I don't to the feel like we ever soon. went too far. So like we could you know like, yeah sure we, we didn't go on a all right a then we'll say long journey. all seven of you together and Magnus is just like I'm gonna go see the fucking power bear and maybe some of you are like please don't go fight the power bear uh, I'm gonna but- get I'm gonna get access to the light of creation and I'm gonna fight a power bear and it's gonna be awesome okay uh, so go get it uh, I think Magnus like causes a scene and you are essentially arrested by some fucking boar uh, or something. And um, you are brought into the the seven of you are brought into this high court. It's also like weird. You guys are people. You're people, and they don't know how to deal with people, so they bring them in front of the 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 ones who dun, are in dun, charge. Dun. Yes, um, this is the animals court. You are with Judge Hopner, and he's a rabbit. Oh shit! <laughs> this court to the west is different than the other sort of settlements that you've seen, the other like natural settlements. It is in this big shaded grove of serene willow trees and something is off here. Namely, animals, like all the animals, are using tools. There's like, um, they're not living in caves and trees and holes in the ground. Like you see some foxes like working together to stick posts in the ground, like framing a small building um, you see a nearly finished structure that some squirrels are working together to craft like a, a sod roof for these advanced buildings are like new. Uh, we're towards the end of the year now. And like the, it looks like the kind of buildings that some animals would have built maybe over the course of a year. This kind of looks like a, a, a person's settlement, like a settlement that like uh, orcs and elves and humans and gnomes put together, but it's it's all animals like using these these tools. Um, and you you're brought through the settlement and you're brought to the the court and you see the three royal beasts. Um, you see a large, you see a brown Kodiak bear that is the aspect of power. You see a white snow owl that is the aspect of wisdom, and you see this gnarly looking gray one eyed wolf. Uh, that is the aspect of instinct. And these royal beasts are fucking gigantic. Um, yeah. like think like, like, uh, like, uh, if you play dark, the Dark Souls games, like Great Wolf Sif, like the wolf is like bigger than you all considerably. Um, and their court is in the middle of this like advanced city. And there are, there's this throng of attendees at their court who are all sort of kneeling in deference to these three gigantic creatures. Um, and Magnus, what do you, what do you do? Um, I, I, I want to do some kind of feat of strength. 
Um, tell me about the attendees kneeling around the big bear. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds. There are rabbits and turtles, and there are deer, lots of deer. There are... Um, uh, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do, Griffin. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. In a moment of wisdom, I see this fucking giant bear. I'm going to say that this is a that maybe one of the first humble moments since getting the shit kicked out of him over uh, rescuing a dog, where like I was like charging out. Picture me like charging out of the entryway of the ship, like, I'm going to fight this bear. And then I get there, and it's like a fucking two-story bear. Okay. And I just kind of look way up, and I just kind of turn and look at Lucretia with, like, a kind of look on my face. Because as you said, we've been hanging out for the last couple months. Maybe not best buddies, but I just kind of look at her and, like, shake my head a little bit. What are you trying to, like, get across here? Like, I shouldn't do this, right? I'm looking at her for, like... You're smarter than me. Yeah, she I looks shouldn't at you. do this, right? She sees. She looks up at the size of the bear, kind of like sizes him up, and looks back at you, and then like grits her teeth, like no, probably not. I kneel before the snow owl. Uh, you you kneel like they're all sitting up on this dais that you probably wouldn't be able to to approach. So like you kneel before all of them, and yeah. they start to grunt, and the others translate. Um, and. They ask the the bear asks what you're doing here, uh, and who what are you? I am manimal. They look um, at each other. Manimal, manimal. We're called tacos. Uh, we're a different species. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you can all talk, but Magnus is going to be the one that like does does the role here because this is technically his action. But they look tacos, tacos. Uh, the wolf is like tacos. I see tacos. Well, yes. I kind of look at taco like all right. Yeah, can I cast a spell? Uh, yeah, sure. Can I cast enhance ability to do what on Magnus? So here, Increase- I, I these rolls are so close that okay. I feel like if I let you do this, we could do it every time, and then you could get bonuses on everything. And like because we're talking about bonuses, not in like the nines or tens, like they're ones and twos. Like I don't think that would be fair. Okay. Um. Let's let's let Magnus kind of carry the weight here, though. Okay. Um. So I I say um. That we come, we come from far away. We we've traveled a, a great distance to be here, um, and and I recognize, I see uh, the three of you, and I recognize proud, brave, strong, intelligent warriors, warriors like myself. And one of the strongest things a warrior can do. When you when you say actually when you all interrupt you when you say warriors like myself I, the big brown Kodiak bear fucking laughs and he's like you're nothing like us you you're 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 tiny you're not furry you don't have fangs or claws I'm I'm not fuck off uh all right yeah I think yeah all right I think we just had like sort of a uh, Marty McFly chicken moment there uh I think when you say that a bear from the audience uh charges you. Cool. Because you've just disrespected. Roll plus body. That is an eleven. All right. What do you do? Well, what a nine plus. No matter two. no matter what the game, Travis rules at it. Um, <laughs> so what do you what do you do when this bear fucking this bear's coming at you to kill you? Well, since uh, I'm, I assume a little bit smaller. I'm gonna do like uh, this is not uh, this is not the this, sorry this is not the royal beast Kodiak bear. This bear is like yeah. bear sized. But I assume still slightly bigger than me. I'm going to do some judo shit and use their strength and momentum against them and kind of do a crouching throw. So, like, I go with their movements and throw them over me. Okay. Did you learn that from the other bear? 
<laughs> no, I, I just know that shit. That's judo, man. You use oh, their right, own man. strength and weight against them. Uh, when you do that, the, the, the royal bear stands up, like with a start. Uh, and, and oh, are impressed. you next? Uh, no, he's not like standing up to fight. He's like kind of, he's kind of impressed. Um, and the bear is going to like, the bear continues to kind of come at you. Do you like kill it or what do you subdue it or what do you do? Um, I, I don't want to kill it. I love animals. I would like to subdue it. All right. You fucking choke out it with an 11. Like, yeah, you choke out a bear. If you had How about a bear hug. So to kind of give mm. you an idea, like if you rolled a mixed success, I wouldn't have allowed you to make that choice. You would have killed the bear and things would have probably been bad. Uh, but all right. You no, subdued Magnus the- doesn't kill animals if he can help it. Sure. Um, you subdued the bear, though. And uh, the the with that, the royal beasts are a little bit more impressed. They're also impressed like that you can talk and you can speak. So you explain to them that you want this. Uh, you want the light of creation, but they do want a little bit of time to sort of like get to know you to know if like you can be trusted with this thing that they found that they know like they can use to learn how to use tools and like this thing is like a a source of discovery and Mm -hmm. um curiosity and intellect so like in an animal's hands they learn how to use tools and build buildings and invent things um and so they like are drawn to this thing but when you explain like it's ours they they have this sense of right and wrong and so they're willing to give it to you they just want to know that you are going to be responsible with it so yeah magnus actually the bear the royal bear does want to spend some time with you he is like taking a particular fondness Sick. with you and uh, i think you spend a few months training with it uh roll roll um what's the thing for training body i, I mean it. no it's um oh roll, oh, roll, a, roll a, a d6 one, roll a d6 yeah that's a five okay on a roll of one to five you take two xp if you roll a six, it means like you just like really fucking trained super good that year and you take three XP. Um, but you know, you, so take two XP, but also like as a result, like you are in all of you are kind of in there now with these royal beasts. And so resolution time years passed and um, you you have come close to these animals. And I think you are brought before the court once again. Um, and there's st- the three of them are arguing. They don't know if they should give you the light or not. Um, and it's been a year now since you've been here after, after this time you spent sort of bonding and training and, and, uh, getting to know this animal kingdom while you, while you're in this court, the sky goes dark and you see that motionless storm and you see some of the like color leave the trees in this grove and you see it leave the grass below your feet and you see that dark force above you once more, only this time. It's the real deal. It's not some sort of scout. Uh, it's the hunger. And tendrils of shimmering darkness start to descend while these three royal beasts are still sort of arguing about whether or not they want to give you the light of creation or not. Um, and what uh, I can kind of leave this to you or I can take the reins here. But like, is there anything you do as you like react to seeing the hunger appear while you're in this sort of final deliberation about whether or not you should get the light? I mean, well, I the think only we thing... ought to tell them to get to cover. Yeah, the only thing I think to do is to draw their attention to it and say, like, time is of the essence. Yeah, they don't seem to they don't seem to understand, but they do see that, like, one of these tendrils is coming down, like, fucking right for this court. And I think it actually smashes down into the into into this court. And you see these shadowy figures start to uh, come out. And hmm, I'm trying to think of what to do here. I think when it smashes down, it comes down right on top of the three royal beasts. 
and the owl was holding the light when it did and these three are just kind of gone and as soon as like they see this davenport is like it's it's time to bug out it's time to fucking it's time to fucking go Taco and I'm assuming Loop are like gonzo. Yeah, okay. Like you did not. They did not need to I'm, debate this question. They are like so out. All right, you're. We I'm turn around. On, and I'm checking on be- smoke. Yeah, I'm checking on like bear cubs and telling people to get to cover and trying to help. Is the is the light just gone then, Ditto? The light is gone. I, yeah. Um. So uh, Greg, no. This Greg, is this is, a, this is this is this is this is good. Taco and Loop. I have a question. Yeah. Sure. I have a question about Loop though. Is Loop Taco's the sort that would bolt? Is Loop the sort that would bolt and like? Judging by like what ta- she did at the um, at the press conference, is Loop the sort that would like take pot shots at it as she was running Fucking away yeah, with like, Taco, or so was she just like Loop's, Loop's specialization is evocation magic? Um, so mm-hmm. I think she, yeah, for sure she's like uh, blasting, like trying to give everybody cover to like get the fuck out of this court. So she's launching fireballs at these shadowy creatures. She's actually the first one of you to like kill one of these things. Uh, and these these shadowy creatures, like I mentioned in the, the the last episode, are different shapes and sizes. They are different species, different things, but they are all made of this like material uh, that is dark with these bright red, blue, and yellow and green like flashes of color inside of it. Which like um, I want to the the canonical sort of aesthetic of these is what a black opal looks like. Which connect the dots from the Crystal Kingdom thing where you found the black opal mirror. Like, that's kind of what I envision, where it's not just like pitch black, it is dark, but there's also this like wild technicolor happening inside of it. Which you're gonna say, Griffin, did you steal Dormammu? No, I had this shit two years ago. Fuck that shit. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Loop is, Loop is like giving everybody cover and like blasting shit as she runs backwards back to the ship. Um, right, and Merle's enhancing everybody's speed as much as he can. Okay, yeah, Merle is also seeing everybody sort of escape back. Um, Barry is kind of sticking close to 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 you, Taco and Loop, as as you all make your exit. Magnus, if you want to stay behind, this is this is that's fucking great, and I would encourage you to do so. If you want to like make I mean, sure fucking bear cubs get where they need to get. Yeah, and all I'm, that. I'm I'm ushering bear cubs to cover, and I'm helping hatchlings and i'm okay. helping wolf cubs and shit i'm gonna Some fucking peewee and peewee's big adventure yeah. like running back into the pet <laughs> store snake. i'm gonna Does call i'm gonna call good? i'm gonna call it for interactivity and i'm gonna take the reins and walk us out of this cycle because this is great i i also just to picture it whatever tools are around magnus is like making use of whatever is sure okay magnus is roll uh roll a plus plus body for me six nine eleven okay so you the six, that was six the, plus three plus gotcha, two. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, Taco Merle and Loop and Lucretia and Davin Cappenport make it back to the ship, but it's like it's chaos getting out of this city. It's like a very populous city, and there's like a bunch of animals and shit just like running for cover. And there are these shadow beings that you all are fighting off as you get back to the ship. Um, and you lose Magnus. You don't see Magnus, and Davenport like tries to stick around to wait for him, but can't wait that long, and so you all leave. Uh. Magnus, you you do a lot. You you take out a bunch of these things. You're picking up fucking shovels and like smashing shadows over the head and you're like you pick up a big pike and you drive it through a few of them and you fight them off and you get some some baby bear cubs to safety and some some wolf pups to safety. But eventually like you're left behind and you only sort of outlast the hunger for so long before you are killed and you are taken down. The rest of you are on this ship, and you're on the Star Blaster, and you're dodging these inky columns as you fly away from this plane. 
And as you leave this plane and you fly away from the planar system, sure enough, the void between the planes is all wobbly again. And you pass through the threshold between realities. And as you pass through that barrier, time stops once more. And this time, you feel your body, well, for lack of a better verb, you feel yourself sort of shifting to a different position on the deck. And not only that, you you see something peculiar. You see these white threads of light begin to encircle the ship. And these threads get caught up in the, the ring uh, bond engine in the back of the ship. And they interweave there, kind of like in a loom. And when they finally work their way to a position uh, on, on the deck, all of these threads converge and they stitch back together magnus and he's got a black eye and merle you've got a cut on your forehead and everybody is in the exact positions and in the exact state that they were in when you first left your home world everyone is everyone is back together and everyone is alive again and everyone is safe the last thing you see of this animal kingdom reality before you leave it before you pass through that threshold is the hunger descending. And as it sort of reaches out these these long uh, tendrils that uh, start to surround the, 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 the plane you were just on, you see a flash of light from within the hunger. And when that light flashes, things move very quickly as the tendrils retract and they pull that entire plane out of orbit, out of the planar system it was in, and pulls it into the hunger itself. And when it does, it disappears. And you see those colors, those kind of muted colors um, inside of the hunger's body, they flash and there's an explosion of, of light and reds and neon blues and yellows and greens um, as, it is, as it is folded in. And the diameter of the hunger you see just just ever so slightly expands. The hunger is stronger now because that's what happens when the hunger feasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. My name is Patrick. My name is Parker. MaxFunCon has been a huge inspiration in my life. And now I have this network of friends that I've made that span literally across the entire globe. And they're some of my favorite people in the world. I truly cannot believe the amount of wonderful and lasting friendships that have come out of this. If you feel like you might not fit in, as long as you're a good person, you'll fit in because everyone there is good and amazing and kind and wonderful, and you should absolutely go. It will be the best decision of your life. 
Make a ton of new friends like Parker and Patrick at Max FunCon. Tickets for Max FunCon and Max FunCon East are on sale now at maxfuncon.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Travis McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. And we host the first podcast ever made, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Every Monday, we put out the first ever advice comedy podcast ever. They found our podcast on Dead Sea Scrolls. We're the Hammurabi Code of podcasts, and we're ready to entertain you with jokes that we invented, the first jokes. So join us every Monday on MaximumFun.org. You'll never crack our code, Dan Brown. Just try me. It's history in the making. And in the faking. And it's all yours for the taking.